The Athletic. So Manchester City's Erling Haaland has made history scoring his 50th goal of the season on Sunday. The most goals scored by a top flight player for 92 years. How has manager Pep Guardiola got the best out of him? How can City look to ensure he stays for as long as possible? And where does this season rank him in terms of the greatest strikers in the Premier League? I'm Ian Irving and this is the Athletic Football Podcast. This is Haaland, and this is history. Well, I knew that not even Winston Churchill was Prime Minister. The record today, Erling broke. Big, broad shoulders. His moment. Announcing Erling Haaland! We are in the presence of goal-scoring greatness. There would appear to be no limits to what this man may go on to achieve in Sky Blue. Okay then, joining us to discuss the goal-scoring heroics of Erling Haaland, we have the Athletics Manchester City writer Sam Lee as well as Jack Pitt Brook. Gentlemen, welcome. Uh, first of all, hands up. Who'd heard of Pongo Waring before this week? No hands up. Who's heard of Pongo Waring now? Only in the context of people saying, like people comparing him to Erling Haaland. I'd be, I'd be honest, like two weeks ago, I wouldn't have been able to tell you who Pongo Waring was. Oh yeah, I've heard of him now. Jack must have heard of him. Jack must have heard of him. In a Rothman somewhere. Incredible, isn't it? You've got these players from yesteryear who've done these incredible feats and they just pop up a hundred years later. Named after a cartoon dog as well, Jack. I mean, only players from the 1930s can be named after cartoon dogs, surely. I, I'd never heard of Pongo the cartoon dog. I thought it was a, I thought it was a strange I thought it was a strange name. It turns out the the bloke's name was actually Tom. Uh, but yeah, if it, if it, yeah. I would love to know more about <laughs> Pongo the cartoon dog. So if any of our listeners happen to know a lot about the famous Aston Villa team of the early 1930s, please write in. Yeah, I'm quite fascinated, Sam, as well, about the idea that in maybe 100 years, the name Erling Haaland just pops up and people are like, who's this guy then? Oh God, what a depressing existence. Because if people haven't heard of him, what, what about us? Uh, well, yeah, there's no we chance. Got no, we got that. no chance. Right, let's get into it then. I mean... He's been absolutely phenomenal. I don't think there's any doubt about that, um, despite the odd debate about whether he's made Manchester City better or not. In a way, though, Sam, from the very start, that brace at West Ham on his Premier League debut, did it feel inevitable that we were going to be talking about his goal-scoring exploits this year? Not to this extent. You know, strikers have often started well, players have started well, and then, you know, the, the goals can not necessarily dry up, but not flow to the extent where, you know, he's, he must be on close to, like, two a game, roughly. But, you know, I don't think anybody expected after he scored two at West Ham that, he, OK, he was, he was scoring hat-tricks left, right and centre. He'll score basically a goal a game, maybe two a game. Being put through by a De Bruyne ball, it took them a while to be able to unlock that again. It's only recently, because I think De Bruyne, well, De Bruyne has provided more assists for Haaland this season than any other player has provided for any other player. And that, God, that was seven a couple of weeks ago. I think they've added a couple more since then. But a lot of those have come in the last few weeks. And it's only in the last few weeks where they've really kind of unlocked the, the counter-attacking Borussia Dortmund-style Haaland that, that we'd seen before. You know, all that debate at the start of the year about him picking the wrong team. That was the headline from Jamie Carragher that everybody latched onto. But what Carragher was saying there, 
it made a lot of sense. He was like, he's played in counter-attacking teams, there's a lot of space to run into. He goes, Pep doesn't want to play that way. He well, he, he wants his teams to play, going up to the edge of the box and pin teams back and they play from there. And that was all entirely fair. And it was easy to see a different type of Haaland and maybe not the best Haaland at that point. But recently, largely because teams have been more adventurous against City and City don't have to pin them back in their own box and the teams aren't sitting back voluntarily in their own box, they have unlocked this counter-attack in Haaland and that's why you know he's really accelerated in the last few weeks and got up to 50 really quickly. I mean, Jack, from the outside watching on, he's had that period recently where he's, he's scored a hell of a lot of goals, but he also had three home Premier League hat-tricks in a row at the end of August, the start of September against Crystal Palace, Nottingham Forest and Manchester United. I mean, that was the period really where we first thought, blimey. What is so uh, special about Haaland's season is that certainly to, I mean, I was going to say to people our age, to, to people of any age, it feels so unprecedented. Like we don't have, you know, they're almost, li- this is why we started the show talking about Pongo wearing, like there are no precedents for scoring this many goals. It's a it's a huge statistical outlier um, to be able to to be able to score at a rate like this, and to be honest, it's not something I thought we'd ever see. It's not. I mean, even when I mean the the, the only the only thing I can really remember from my lifetime, Sam will probably know the numbers better than me. Is I'm sure there was a point about ten years ago where Ronaldo and Messi were routinely hitting. 50 plus weren't they Sam yeah yeah in, in, in La Liga but I kind of assume- all the kind of European records are dominated by those two but there's a couple of outliers like you say but those two were doing it consistently about 10 years ago yeah but for whatever reason I kind of assumed that this would never happen in the Premier League so ha- see- seeing it actually happen here yeah that's true is, that. uh yeah it is quite something isn't it I mean obviously you, you cover Tottenham for the Athletic Jack but you, you are a, a self-confessed Manchester City fan do you think he's already a legend for City Supporters, if he left this summer and never came back, would he still be remembered forever? I'm sure that if he were to leave this summer, he would be remembered forever. I kind of, I don't know whether he would, and I'm sure that you know, to a younger generation, you know, very young generation of City fans, he will always be, you know, he's already the kind of big, big figure for them. I think he might struggle to be seen in quite the same way as, for example, Sergio Aguero. Just because Aguero came in at a different, well, Aguero came in at a, a sort of more, more sort of crucial time in City's development. You know, he signed in twenty eleven. It's only three years after the takeover. When he signed, City hadn't won the league. He scored the goal and won the league the first time. And so Haaland is, I mean, obviously what Haaland is doing as an individual is brilliant, but he's taking advantage of the hard work that's already been done by players like Aguero and Tevez before him, and you know the, those players who City had back in the kind of. Mancini era. We've had a generation that's been dominated by Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo and we're all waiting to see who emerges as the the next sort of group of, of superstars or the next single superstar as there has been at other at other times. Haaland's up there in, in line for this. Kylian Mbappe is another one. Do you think do you think the sort of like superhero status of, of this sort of player can be claimed by Haaland given his Ability, but also his physical attributes as well. He, he's quite a, he's got quite a look, hasn't he? The flowing hair for the goal the other day, especially. Yeah, in terms of taking on that mantle and kind of, I don't know, the player that people look to around the world. And look, in this kind of post or almost post Messi Ronaldo kind of time to be alive, we're always going to be looking for the next ones. But I mean, that kind of started a long time ago with Neymar and Bale, and never really, they ne- well, they never delivered on that. Um, because I don't think anybody can really deliver on what Messi and Ronaldo did, and Messi especially. But we're always going to be looking for it, and Haaland and Mbappe are as close as you're going to get. Haaland, as a footballer, is not 
anywhere near Messi. Um, he can't do the things Mbappe can do. But then there are things that only he can really do. You know, he is this incredible blend of talents. And because it adds up to so many goals, and like you say, the look, you know, there's kind of that cult of personality, how he does it. So ruthless, that is, yeah, that is going to put him, you know, in terms of marketing and, you know, kids coming through, looking up to players, that will put him up there. Trophies as well. The, the thing about if he were to leave this summer, which I know it's just like a kind of ridiculous hypothetical question. I've always, yeah, yeah, I've yeah. always said flip, flippantly, like if Aguero had have left after his first season with that goal against QPR, he'd probably got a statue anyway. But like, <laughs> if, if Haaland were to leave this summer, that, that would be mad. Like what, what's all that about? But again, this is why it's a ridiculous hypothetical thing. If you help them win the treble, he probably would be absolutely well if he's the you one know, if, who's if he's got he's already got 50 if he scores another 12 15 in the next few games and gets them over the line in all the competitions then yeah he would be and then that kind of brings it back to the the messi ronaldo level like ronaldo just got him there through that kind of sheer hard work goals looking after himself and that's very broadly similar to Haaland. i think messi had more magic i think mbappe's got more magic but you can't fault whatsoever what ronaldo has done and what Haaland's doing because he makes it look easy and City make it look easy. Yeah, but it's not. The fascinating thing with Haaland as well, Jack, is when he signed for Manchester City, it, it seemed like a you know an obvious move. I know a lot of different clubs were, were trying to get him, but it seemed like an obvious move for City to upgrade what they had. It was a different type of option for them, a, a bloody-minded goal scorer, even more bloody-minded than Sergio Aguero in some ways, I think, in terms of exactly what he delivers and his ability. But it's it felt like a surefire thing. But has there still been a surprise at just how good he's been? I mean, it, did, did we really expect to be talking about these sort of numbers? I'm not surprised that he's been really good because we he's always been he's always had this kind of like slightly freakish thing, Haaland. The sheer volume of goals that he scores, his almost unique athleticism. I can't really remember seeing a centre forward who was quite as not it's not just that he's so big and he's strong and he's fast and he eats up the ground the way he does and he can jump like he does and he's so good in the air and the way that he strikes the ball. So I'm not surprised he's been that good, but I thought when he came in I thought he would score a lot of goals for City, but that City would get worse as a team because they wouldn't be able to fit him in properly. And there were moments about in the sort of first few months of the season, I'm sure Sam will be able to remember specifically when, where it did feel like it wasn't going to work. And at, and at that point, I, th- I thought, this is going to be like Ronaldo going to Juventus or Ronaldo going to back to Man United. Like He will score goals as an individual, but the team will get worse. And so what has really surprised me has been what we've seen become very clearly true over the last, let's say, two months, I guess. Haaland is so good, and City are not really losing anything by having him in the team. They're not losing any control, they're not losing anything impressing, and overall, Haaland is making City a better team rather than a worse team, and that's what surprised me, not just his individual goals. It's his performance of late as well, isn't it? Certainly in that Arsenal game at the Etihad, Sam, where it felt like his all-round game was so much better than it had been at, at any other point. And that was a totally different type of Haaland that we'd seen. A smarter one, a sharper one, maybe. Um, why has it worked so well, in your opinion? A team via Guardiola that's so dedicated to the details and, you know, playing the right passes at the right time, but not not just the right pass in terms of where it needs to go, but, or, you know, which foot it needs to be played with at exactly the right moment because if somebody's about to close down Grealish, for example, they won't pass it to him. The passes need to be at the right moment, the right weight, the right spin on the ball with the right foot to the right foot. With all these details in mind, if you drop somebody into that, that is as good as Haaland is 
with his own kind of freakish blend of abilities, it really does become as simple as great team plus great player equals success. But based on what Jack said before, and he's right, and I sort of referred to it jokingly a bit earlier on, but there was a point in the season where there were beginning to be some doubts about whether it would be that straightforward. Absolutely. Because you were saying, oh, well, this point last year, there was no recognised centre-forward starting every week and they'd scored more goals. I mean, that's been blown away now, but... What was the change? A couple of different sides to it, right? And that is an objective fact, right? That is something that maybe not publicly, he's, he's kind of hinted at it, but if you were to ask Guardiola now, he wouldn't really go into it. But definitely privately, it was an objective fact that Guardiola and his coaching staff felt that they had lost a bit because Haaland can't play false nine anywhere near the level of a midfielder doing it as in previous seasons. So whether it was Foden, Bernardo Silva, Gundogan, Kevin De Bruyne two years ago, to a lesser extent. But those three in particular, Haaland can't do that to the same extent and to kind of highlight the extent to what Guardiola wants from that false nine he said even Julian Alvarez can't play false nine and you think if you look at him do it and how good he is on the ball in the small spaces playing short and long kind of more like a Harry Kane kind of game he looks perfect for the false nine even Guardiola says even he can't do it so Haaland can't do that and therefore you can't have the superiority in attack you can't create those little overloads you can't bounce passes off quite as, as, as quickly and you can't unpick those deep blocks quite as well as they did last year you know the reason they've got two holding midfielders now and the reason a lot of teams try holding midfielders is because everyone's high pressing you know 10 years ago 15 years ago when Guardiola was starting out and you play through Busquets that's fine because you weren't really getting high pressing now everyone's at it so you need somebody else in there so you get a fullback coming into midfield or with Stones now a centre-back going into midfield to create that superiority in midfield so you've got more options to play out and he wants superiority in the final third as well but with Haaland there, you can't really do that. You need to rely more on like individual actions, getting the ball wide to Mares, get De Bruyne to drift out there, little combinations between them. But they have lost that kind of weapon in terms of the link-up man. But the plan was always going to be to get him to improve in those areas, you know, to, to come short, to play off him. And that's why there was, I'd say, before the World Cup, a little bit of a drop-off that nobody really noticed. Because if you think about before the World Cup, Everyone was still saying that City would catch Arsenal. It was just regarded as a fact. And look, maybe that's happening now. And it wasn't majorly an issue. Nobody was really, really thinking, okay, is Haaland the problem here? That only started to happen after the World Cup, around the time they lost to Spurs, um, they lost to United in the derby. They couldn't get him into the game. But that, the, the little problems you've got, the relative problems you've got of getting Haaland into the team to you know, make, make him a bit better with his link-up play was exacerbated massively by all the problems that he had after the World Cup where you had loads of top players coming back unfit, out of form, unhappy, unsettled, whatever it was, loads of them. Cancelo obviously left, we know that. Laporte is probably going to leave for the same kind of reasons. Walker was in a similar boat. Bernardo Silva wasn't at his best. De Bruyne, I think De Bruyne wasn't at his best. Um, Gundogan, right, was yeah. a bit, Gundogan was a bit sluggish coming back. Foden was injured and I think some kind of other off-field thing like Walker. Diaz wasn't in the team. I think I've just named seven or eight key players Most there. Most of the team. And all yeah. of a sudden you think, oh, is Haaland the problem? No, he's not. It's all the people who are trying to give him the ball. Like City, you've got these little, little problems where they need to adapt him anyway to their style of play, which is like a work in progress. And it's the first season so fine. Then that's exacerbated by all of that stuff going on. Um, but then the biggest change recently, as I alluded to earlier is since they played RB Leipzig at home in the Champions League and then they had Burnley a few days later in the FA Cup, they played two teams that wanted to press them and kind of play out from the back and they created spaces. 
And if you give City spaces and you give Haaland those spaces, you go back to what Jamie Carragher was saying about the Haaland and Borussia Dortmund. And then all of a sudden you do see Haaland as the player he's always been. And you do see the best of Kevin De Bruyne. The more adventurous teams are against City, which normally means the best team, so Liverpool, Arsenal, Bayern Munich, maybe Real Madrid, they'll want to play to some extent. Even Real Madrid might defend, but they'll want to play to some extent. They want to press. And if you try and do that against City, because of everything else they've got, they're too good. They'll take the ball off you. They'll play through you. And then you've, you can just play it in behind to Haaland. So in the last two months, we've really seen him kick on because of the approach of the opposition. But what we So I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago saying the plan is and was and always has been to adapt Haaland to City. So when they're playing against a low block to improve his link-up play, but in the last couple of months, they've not really had the opportunity to do that. So it looks like City have adapted more to Haaland. They're more of a counter-attacking transitional team, which they've not been recently at all. They would like refuse to counter-attack almost. But what we've seen, and you, you you alluded to this earlier, against Arsenal and against Fulham, you've really seen him drop in, using like bringing the ball down on his chest, and his link of play does look better. And I think just as that process of working on the training ground every day, he has improved that side of his game as well. So now that's coming into it as well. It's still not perfect. If City were to play Atletico Madrid rather than Real Madrid, I'd probably be a bit more concerned. Because if you're playing against that really deep block, you might go back to the kind of January-February performances where they can't find him and he doesn't have that impact. But if Real Madrid, okay, they're not going to be gung-ho, but they're going to want to do something and they will lose spaces and that's when you see the best Haaland. But that's basically been the story of the season. Jack, the adaptation this season, a lot of the time when new players come to the Premier League, we don't see the best of them until maybe the second year, until they've got used to the league, until they've got used to their new team, their new teammates. Almost the remarkable thing is that Haaland's had the numbers throughout this year whilst making the adaptation. He has needed to adapt to City and the league, but he's done it still scoring goals. That has been the most spectacular thing about it, I think, has been there has been no... Well, he's got to learn about our league, hasn't he? He's got to learn... He's, you know, it's, not the, it's not the Bundesliga. You're not playing no, against Fortuna Dusseldorf anymore, mate. And then he comes over here and it's fact it's still, incredibly, <laughs> it's still incredibly easy for him. So that stood out. The other thing that's kind of stood out to me is it just feels a little bit like... It feels a little bit at odds with the direction that we've seen in the Premier League in the last 10 years because, in my mind, the Premier League has moved away from being about individ- like being decided by brilliant individuals and towards being decided by the teams with the best system. So if you look at the, if you look at the Premier League 10 years ago, who are the best players? Luis Suarez never won the Premier League. Gareth Bale never won the Premier League. Robin van Persie won the Premier League once at Man United at the end of his career. But generally speaking, you know, St- Steven Gerrard obviously never won the Premier League. But generally speaking, and all these guys would win, you know, they'd win Football of the Year. But the Premier League, I think, was kind of dominated by brilliant individuals who could do incredible things for their teams. and But their their team wouldn't really win the league. But And over the course of the last 10 years, I feel like football's changed a little bit. And now... The best players in the Premier League are have been the players who can really, rather than just like being a sort of comic book character guy, like like a Bale or a Suarez, they're players who can really submit their talents to the 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 thoughts and ideas of their manager. So De Bruyne is obviously and the top, and the best of them really being De Bruyne, Mane, and Salah, more or less. I think have been the, the three best players in the Premier League over the last six or seven years in terms of. They've won titles, but they've won titles by being part of by being a cog in a system. And yet Harlan's coming; he's blown all this away. Harlan's like he feels like he's no. 
I know he has. I know for reasons that Sam has explained, he did. He has fitted into the city system, but he's so individualistic. It's so. I mean, I never thought I'd see the day where somebody would come and score this many goals in the Premier League, and that one player could be this individually decisive in a way that I I didn't think that an individual player could be this just could be this decisive could do things that were this unprecedented, score this many goals, win this many games all by himself. And so that's that's really why I th- one of the reasons why I think Haaland's so amazing is because he's kind of, he's like dragged football back in the other direction away from being, away from the Premier League being all about the collective towards the Premier League being more about the individual. This is a paid advertisement from Better Health Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's betterhel dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. Another interesting aspect of Erling Haaland's season, Sam, is the fact that City have managed to keep him largely fit uh, throughout this campaign. It's partly what the way he's been managed in-game by, by Pep, and we'll talk about some of the early substitutions and, and things like that in a moment. What about the way that City have kept him fit? H- how have they managed to do that? Because one aspect of his career before City has been the odd muscle strain, and he's not really suffered much of that. Yeah, well, Guardiola said the other week, he was asked directly about that, really, you know, how have you managed to stay on top of his injuries? Because he always used to pick up a few here and there. And he's like, I don't know what they did at the other clubs, but we we like look after him 24-7. And now that is an article I would like to do for the end of the season with like everything. I, and I was speaking to I was speaking to a former player the other week and they hadn't played with Haaland, but they were saying, he's an injury waiting to happen if you don't look after him. And they were saying, he won't be going out into trainers. So this is just speculation, but from a player's point of view with the kind of stuff that works, they were like, he won't be going out into training without having his back cracked, without having his hips aligned. And I was like, gee, what, what? What's all this stuff that's going on? But apparently, and I'm writing another article about Because of his size, you mean? Well, yeah, just because of his size. Um, yeah, exactly. The, yeah, exactly the size, the, the, the kind of muscles that he's got, um, the speed of him, the size of him, all that kind of stuff. But he's just always having massages, like always, always, always having massages. Training, you know, not just for him, but at this time of year when there's so many games... And you, know, you go in for a recovery session, then you've got one day and then you're preparing for the next. They might just do 20 minutes training on the grass. That's it. And that's particularly the case for Haaland. And then you mentioned the games he's been taken off in. It's like, well, if he's no longer needed on this pitch, if this game's done, you're coming off because it's all part of looking after him. And this was one of the big pitches that City made to him. Not this time last year because it was done by then, just about. But about 14 months ago, when they were trying to battle Real Madrid, because I think for a while, for a while, City believed that he favoured going to Real Madrid last summer. And they were like, look, if you go there, you have to play all the time. Because if you're not playing all the time, there'll be pressure on the manager. And if there's pressure on the manager, there'll be pressure on the chairman, the the president, Florentino Perez. So you're going to have to play all the time. And he was thinking, 
Look, Spain is a less physical league because like, we see him as this massive striker that can like shrug off defenders. But he was thinking in terms of physicality, I'll have it easier in Spain. I'll have a a longer career, and it'll be less less bruising than the Premier League. And City were like, look. If you go to Real Madrid, though, you're going to have to play all the time. If you come here, we'll look after you. If you're tired, we won't play you. We'll make sure you're fit. We'll give you everything you need. Fast forward to now, he's absolutely delighted with how that's gone because they've been true to their word. They have looked after him. All the, you know, all the massages, all the hypothetical backcracking and hip alignments and whatever else they do that I hope to be able to find out the end of the season. They have kind of wrapped him in cotton wool. They've made sure he's trained only 15 minutes if he needs to. Um, then there's all the stuff that he's done and he's always done. I went to... Norway around this time last year and like his youth coaches were saying you know they introduced the importance of proper sleep when he was like 13 14 and you know wearing special goggles to protect you from like using you know the UV lights before bed so you get proper regeneration they were introducing this stuff to him when he was younger and they and all the kids they were like look if you want to be a pro this is what you have to do it's up to you if you want to do it but obviously him and his mindset was I'm going to do this so that's what he's always been like and then you've got City doing everything they can and off the field, you've got the same effect as on the field, whereas you've got City doing everything with the details and the coaching and the passing angles and all this, and Haaland doing everything that he's good at and always has been good at. And off the pitch, he's looking after himself, they're looking after him, and so far, he's generally avoided you know, any serious injuries. He's missed a couple of games, but nothing more than that. Fascinating as well, Jack, the way that Guardiola's managed Haaland's minutes at times, and I wonder you know, whether there's a physical aspect to it, clearly, by, by not playing too many minutes but also the mental aspects of keeping him sharp, keeping him hungry. Six times this season, he's been brought off on a brace. Um, he, he was brought off against RB Leipzig just over an hour into that game when he'd scored five goals and, of course, was just a goal away from making history in the Champions League. He's completed 90 minutes 22 times from 44 games and 10 of those full 90s have been in matches when he's failed to score. How deliberate is all that, do you think, from Pep? Most likely just a way of managing workload, reducing minutes, reducing the chance from getting injured, knowing that he's, you know, because you want to play every game, basically, you want to start pretty much every game, so you don't want to overwork him. I wonder if also part of it is just exists a little bit just to annoy him on the basis that I'm sure he would probably, he looks like a big kid, like yeah. he probably wants to be playing every minute of every game, I'd imagine, and score, you know, back scoring four, five, six goals if he can. And so maybe taking him off and denying him a hat-trick is there just to kind of keep him a little bit on edge and a little bit frustrated so that he's desperate to go and get his hat-trick the next time. Sam? At one point, Guardiola said, you know, I- I'll take him off to keep him hungry. I've, you could, sometimes Guardiola just says whatever he feels like after the game for whatever reason. Um, so there, there, there may be an element of that, but I do think it's it's largely physical. You know the job's done, and in terms of him st- playing the full ninety minutes ten times when he hasn't scored, I think it's because the job's not done, and you want him on the pitch in case a chance does come his way. City need a goal at that point, don't they? Normally, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like if if the yeah. if the game's not if he's not scored, the game probably isn't done. And then if if you want a goal or need a goal, then he's the best man to keep on. But if he scored two by half time, which has happened a lot, or he scored a hat trick, or yeah, two even by an hour in. Um, then yeah, keep him on. There won't be many games when he scored loads and stayed on all the way. I can think Crystal Palace at the start of the season, but they were two 0 down at half time, and then he scored a hat trick yeah. from the the second to the fourth goal, and then maybe he got taken off with like two minutes to go or something. But as soon as the job's done, he's off. How's Guardiola ensured that Haaland's not been bigger than this Manchester City team this year? Because it, it would have been very easy, I think, for 
whilst Haaland's the story on this podcast, it would have been very easy for City's season to be just all about Erling Haaland and every story all about Erling Haaland. The press conferences are, by the way, because there's people... But it is though, isn't it? I, I don't know if it is. I don't know if... I don't know if if City do end up winning three trophies or you know wrestle the Premier League back off Arsenal or whatever. I don't know if it will be just about Erling Haaland. I don't know whether he is bigger than Manchester City at this point. I mean, I suppose in some ways he is, and I, I suppose in some ways you know the club welcome that because that takes them to the next level. You know, in terms of his Instagram following, the way that young people in particular follow superstars rather than teams. That helps. You know, they've unveiled the new stadium plans now that are going through. I don't know if this is because of Haaland, but I know that like tickets are really hard to, to come by like within the club. Games sell out. Hospitality has been sold out for ages, all season, because people were, it's just the Haaland factor. I'm sure I was told years ago that they were ne- they always had these plans to develop the stadium, but it was only if they could get somebody like Messi, because they, they always planned to sign Messi. And that okay. demand goes and that demand goes through the roof. And obviously they've not they never managed to get Messi despite coming close a few times. And now I wonder if because they've got Haaland, that's spurred it into life. Now I don't know. Um but coincidental timing at least. Um but I, yeah, I mean in some ways he he is bigger than he is he is the story, but if he's not the full story, it's just because of how well the rest of the team play. Um, you know, if they do win the treble or they go on to win the treble and we keep talking about it, it is because of you know, everything else, you know. Diaz has been great since he came back in. You know, the players I mentioned earlier on who hadn't been working out so well after the World Cup, they've all stepped up and been brilliant. They're all part of it. Guardiola's part of it. You know, they wouldn't be where they are without Guardiola. They wouldn't be this kind of beast without Haaland. But I suppose if they didn't have Haaland, they probably wouldn't be far off. If they'd signed Kane a couple of years ago, what I'm really interested in is if they hadn't signed Haaland and they just played with Alvarez, they'd probably be about the same as they were last year, which was, you know, at this stage of the season, they were going for the Premier League and the Champions League. I imagine it would be very similar. But Haaland just gives them that extra edge of there's more eyes on them now. We're doing this podcast. I'm writing about him later on. Everyone's interested in Haaland. And in that sense, he is bigger. But in the other sense, you know, he's thriving because of Guardiola and the rest of his teammates. Yeah. The question now, Jack, is what's next for Erling Haaland, Pep Guardiola and Manchester City? There's contract talks. We understand that would remove a release clause, um, £150 million release clause, which obviously is a... Now, the release clause is gone. Yeah, and that was already gone, yeah. The release clause was always kind of a bit of a red herring because if he wanted to leave next summer and he went in and sat down with everyone and said, I want to go, they'd go, okay, fine. Well, we don't want you to, but if you really want to, we'll, we'll, we'll find an agreement with another club. But the, the, the kind of headline is he doesn't want to go. He's really happy. And that's why, you know, there'll they'll be contract talks. Well, the automatic opinion as well, Jack, was that, he, oh, he's going to be here for a bit and then he'll go to Real Madrid. That You know, a lot of the sort of detractors would would just would, would have just thrown that in, in Manchester City fans' faces. But a new contract, the removal of a release clause, however that comes about, you know, the, the opportunity to set records like he's done, to win trophies like he, he could do as well. What is the future for, for this combination? It feels a little bit like we're on, on new ground here. City haven't had a player as famous as Harvey really during the Abu Dhabi era even their best players have not been players who were amongst the most famous in the world you know Aguero at his peak De Bruyne at his peak over the years David Silva Yaya Torre for Africa as well you know he's a major player for the continent yeah 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 but even then you know Yaya was never he was I don't think by fame he was like a top five player in the world I understand so Whereas with Haaland, it's kind of different, isn't it? And so it's really going to test out. And you know, and, and obviously, the presumption has always been that the, the most famous and best players in the world would always end up at, well, traditionally, Real Madrid and, 
and Barcelona and more recently Paris Saint-Germain. So this is going to be a real test, isn't it, of whether or not City City can be a home to a player of such pro, of the profile of Haaland because in the past they've never really in the past they've never really wanted mega mega stars have they they've always wanted the play brilliant players who were not huge figures but clearly they've decided to go in a slightly different direction I imagine that probably makes sense but it'll be interesting to see what you know whether Haaland feels like he's happy at City and can get everything he wants at City or whether eventually he decides that to fulfill himself he will want to go to to Real Madrid or, or another big club on the continent I just I, I genuinely don't know what how he will see it because it, that 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 pros, that kind of um, that's never really been tested, has it? We've never had one of the most players, famous players in the world, playing for City and then trying to force their way out to Real Madrid. So we don't know. No, I, I'm maybe trying to find problems where there aren't any at the moment, Sam. But what happens if when Pep Guardiola leaves Manchester City? Uh, I think Haaland's probably the least of the issues there. Nobody knows what happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. Who, who can who can replace him? I think there's inevitably going to be a drop off unless City do a phenomenal job, a phenomenal job of of replacing him. Guardiola leaving is a bridge we have to cross when it comes. But I mean that is going to be real end of an era stuff, and there's going to be far bigger implications. But because Haaland's so happy at City, you know, he, as soon as Guardiola leaves, there's no guarantee he'll be off. He'll give the new manager a try. See how it goes. Manchester City got nine games left this season. Erling Haaland's got nine games left. Dixie Dean has the record for the most goals scored in English top flight season in all competitions in the 1927-28 campaign. 63 goals. So Haaland's 13 off him. Will he get there, Jack? Uh, I think he will tie with Dixie Dean on 63. What makes you say that? Uh, it's a, It's almost literally the on-the-fence answer. Sam? Does that nine include a possible Champions League final, or could there be ten? Oh, sorry, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it would be ten yeah. if it's a Champions um, League final. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with no, despite the fact that he keeps scoring and scoring and scoring. Partly because of what we talked about, and I feel like with balancing the squad now and trying to keep everybody fresh for everything, even I mean, he might not look, start maybe him off. well, I think he'll start, but he might come off straight away. But the thing is, maybe yeah. then, maybe he scored two in the first half, and he still got towards that record. But if any, you know, if Grealish scores one and De Bruyne scores one. And, you know, then they score just after half time and they kill a game off against Leeds next weekend, for example, get him off. So I'm not sure he's going to play the minutes to do it. I love how deeply you're considering this. I, can yeah. say, mate, I won't hold it against uh, you, you, I promise. You have, this isn't the first time we've met, is it? Um, no. All right. You know, you know what? Yes, he is going to do it. Because even if he only plays half of those games or, you know, half of those minutes, there's a decent chance that he's got two or three in each of them. And City have got um, some presentable games in the next couple. It won't be easy, but yeah, yeah why not? Yeah, well, that was absolutely fascinating to see you agonise over that decision Sam but thank you so much for giving it so much thought and thank you both for what was actually a very revealing podcast about Erling Haaland I hope you enjoyed it at home as well remember for more on Haaland and his incredible goal scoring feats along with our daily podcast you can subscribe to The Athletic for just one ninety nine a month for the first 12 months just head to theathletic.com forward slash football pod but for the moment thanks Jack thanks Sam and thanks for listening see you on the next one bye bye The Athletic.